0: you ever been a big clubber?
1: Not really. Yeah, because he's 18.
0: Well, I was on those dance floors from 15 onwards. Because that was me tribe, see? Me family, me skin. <laughs> yeah, he's got a family, hasn't he, right here? I was the queen of the Hacienda. The flat's now. What? Is? Well, this, this this club that she's talking about. I often wonder if, in the middle of the night, the folk that live there can hear the distant beat of a hard house banger dropping talk of the street talk of the street talk of the street talk of the
1: street talk of the street talk of the street talk of the street talk of the street.
0: welcome to episode 265 of the Talk of the Street, another official Street streetcatcher podcast that wasn't impressed with Maria's Peru shirt from the 1978 World Cup this week and we'll take it as a personal slight if next week she rocks out in the 1990 <laughs> shirt from Costa Rica. Yes, that's a Scottish <laughs> football joke. I'm Gavin.
2: And I always pay for cake.
0: <laughs> Let's cut to the chase immediately. <laughs> Give us some of that cor No. We will get to that. I'm guessing.
2: Yes.
0: How are you in the meantime? Ah, uh, it's
2: just been a long week, hasn't it? Farmhouse auction wait, ended.
0: Wait, wait, Auction talk.
2: Farmhouse auction ended and, you know, it did relatively all right for an auction during the summer. It's not a good season for auctions at, at all, you know, because everybody is out vacationing or going these are to are mine, though, right? yard sale. Yeah. So people are, people are out and about because it's summertime and getting their, getting their fix elsewhere, so to speak. So
0: you done research into this?
2: Yeah. And I mean, it's true for other online things as well. You know, like my, my personal online stores, i like Macari and Etsy and, and Poshmark things tend to slow down. In the summertime as well, um, so it's fourth quarter really, where you where you make your money. Mm-hmm. so you know it's just kind of there were things that did so much better than I expected and kind of have me scratching my head, and there are other things that I thought would do better than they did, so and I guess that's just kind of that's the way the cookie crumbles. Anyway, you know, sometimes it you, you just don't, un, you just you'll never know why more than one person desperately wanted a cow with the word dairy written on it so much that they would pay like 60 bucks for it. <laughs> so
0: now, when I asked you who you were, uh-huh. that was really code for how was your birthday? Oh. And this exact thing happened last year.
2: <laughs> well, that was last weekend. How am I supposed to know? My weekend was fabulous. My weekend birthday trip to Canada.
0: Now, remember, this was a weekend trip that you were poo-pooing last week.
2: I wasn't poo-pooing necessarily. It just it just felt like... Not that we'd done Canada, but that we went to Canada last year for my birthday. And sometimes when we go to Canada, for me... It feels like we're going to Canada more for you. But that could not have been more. I could not have been more wrong because you got on a boat.
0: That wasn't true last year (laughs) either.
2: Well, last year was the first time we went to Canada for my birthday. And we
0: went hiking, which wasn't me.
2: Right. Blimey's was you, though.
0: Blimey's was something that you spotted. (laughs) It's true.
2: We both do love Canada especially this last trip it just seemed it seemed so nice it was so temperate and everybody was so nice
0: everyone was a stand-up comedian
2: and it was so diverse Mm -hmm. like everywhere we went everywhere we went it was not just white people in fact there were times we would be in places and we were in the minority and it was so refreshing and i loved it so much
0: we were in the Bruce Peninsula, which is southwestern Bruce, Ontario. Would you say that, that was Western Ontario? Yeah, it's so west of Toronto, anyway. Right, so Bruce yeah. Peninsula in a town called Tobermory.
2: Right, and also um, something beach starts with an S.
0: Sable Beach was it? Sable Sobble. Sobble Beach.
2: Sable Beach, which was delightful.
0: Mm-hmm. Have way, you been there, Canada? Way too have busy because we have
2: way too way too busy you know the beach part but just absolutely delightful nicest people in the world just
0: and what a bakery
2: yes the best bakery in the world and i work essentially two doors down from an exceptional bakery in Leslie Michigan and it was just the only thing we were missing was was a trip to the movies but there really were no Cinemas nearby, which is you don't fun. want
0: to be sitting in a movie theater for a couple of hours when you could be anywhere in when the world. When you could be
2: on the beach watching the sun go down. Yeah, absolutely. And and applauding with all the other people, I, ice cream. The oh, and also the best Caribbean food I have had anywhere outside of the Caribbean. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, Carol's Caribbean Cafe. <laughs> And it was in a little town whose name starts with a W. And it was so great. We parked the car and walked to walked to the little cafe. And across the street, there was a witch going to a um,
0: karaoke night.
2: Yeah, you know, and that's Canada.
0: <laughs> Welcome to Canada.
2: That's Canada for you. It's just go for the Caribbean food, stay for the witches singing karaoke.
0: Here we go. <laughs> Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that Caribbean Cory news or Caribbean Cory news.
2: In one of the smartest casting decisions ever, Eleanor Howell will be joining the show next week as the widow of Rufus Fancy Pants. <laughs> oh. Convenient, as she's only just married to the real life. In real life, to Steve Mayo, who played the part of Rufus Frillybottoms.
0: Houndstooth? His last name was Houndstooth.
2: Frillybottoms.
0: How, how? We, we forget that he had a had a wife.
2: Yes, we, we do.
0: Who didn't disapprove of his horrendous cocaine habit. I remember him having a wife.
2: Right, and was okay with his LSD use.
0: But they, they'd split up, hadn't yeah. they?
2: I don't remember. I, think I thought up. that they had a very nice, very modern open marriage is what I think.
0: So she's coming into it. She's coming into it. Excellent. The show needs more characters.
2: Right. And the show needs more characters to shrivel the ball sack of a certain Canadian. <laughs> the only Canadian I don't like because he's from Ohio. <laughs> In worst casting news ever, our precious Ruby Dobbs is getting a new head. Macy Alabi has played the character since birth. Since birth! (laughs) But is moving on to high school and we will miss her terribly.
0: We will miss her. She was absolutely adorable. The best. And I thought she was really coming along. They were giving her a few more lines and she was handling it pretty well. And I was quite keen to see how this was going.
2: And she's so adorable. And they're recasting her. And I understand that this was a choice the family made because she's moving on to high school. I get it. I understand there are families that their their kids act all the way through school and there are families who say, All right, we're we're gonna take a break and then when you become an adult, if you wanna go back, sure, go ahead. Both both are the choices of families and I respect both choices.
0: We've heard from Jack P. Shepherd on Sofa Cinema Club occasionally talk about his life as a as a teen star. Right. And how it's you know, it can sometimes be a bit of a poison chalice. Right? right. You you set yourself up for a little bit more attention and with that comes a little bit more mockery perhaps and the chance for bullying depending right. on what kind of school that you go to. I could imagine it would be a... Your high school career could be complicated somewhat if you were also the kid who played Ruby Dobbs in Coronation Street. Right. It, it may already be that. Yeah. But if you're currently that, that mm-hmm. person, I think it might be, it could become complicated. Not that you should pander to the bullies or whatever, no. but sometimes the easier path is preferable one.
2: Right. And and sometimes, especially if it's something you've been doing since birth, you say, hey, I want to do something different. I want to learn something different. I This may not be the career for me. Right. So, yes. No, yeah, Well, we what? will miss her, but yes. we will
0: welcome her replacement. And, uh, and see how that works. That makes me think that there's maybe a storyline coming up for Ruby, which yes, would be I b- overdue.
2: I believe there is. We wish Macy well in whatever she chooses to do in her life. And we will be cheering from the sidelines, no matter what that is.
0: Absolutely. Poor Ruby.
2: Poor Ruby. And her liver. Was it a liver or a kidney? It was a liver.
0: Okay. Poor Ruby.
2: Poor Ruby. And now, we can't put it off any longer. <laughs> it is time for Cakegate.
0: Hashtag gate y'all.
2: Do we have any Gate music?
0: Uh, let me see.
2: <laughs>
0: Does that work? have something else?
2: I was looking for something a little more urgent. Unless... No.
0: Yeah. Uh, how about something ominous?
2: Yes. <laughs> There we go. There we go. <laughs> That's our cake, <Kate> cake music. <laughs> it's cake, cake, y'all. In a bizarre move for someone in the arts, to which this sort of thing happens all the time, Catherine Tilsley's PR team asked a small business bakery to cater her 40th birthday party for free in exchange for publicity and an article in OK Magazine.
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah. And
0: this was not just... No, that's what the bakery says.
2: No, this is... The bakery posted the email. Oh. This is what the email says. Okay. From Neverwhere... Neverland. Neverland.
0: Which, by the way, yikes.
2: Yes. Yeah, let's let's just gloss over that, shall we? But it's Neverland without an E.
0: That's, yeah, it's Neverland it's, missing vowels, I think.
2: Right. Which is just
0: stupid. Neverland.
2: Right. What they were asking for, because you think, oh, so just a cake. No, no, a cake for her, for her for her 40th birthday, 100 cupcakes Mm. and then a smaller cake for her husband, whose birthday it actually was on the date of the party. So she was having her 40th birthday party on the day of her husband's birthday he doesn't get a party, and he gets a smaller cake.
0: Where's my, where's my noise? <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that. Yes, you do. Well, maybe a little.
2: Three Little Birds bakery owner Rebecca Severs was rightfully indignant in stating that she couldn't pay her staff in Instagram links
0: <laughs> and declined. <laughs> Good for all.
2: Yes. Tilde has <coughs> called the situation bizarre, and the PR firm has claimed it's been misconstrued. But again, I've read the email. They have not been misconstrued. Nowhere in that email does it say, we will also pay you money. It says, we will pay you by offering you these opportunities for publicity and the promise that we may use you in the future.
0: Yeah, what the the email says is, give us this stuff for nothing. What they say they meant by that was, we will, of course cover your costs for this right and then the the, your profit will be exchanged for right the publicity or whatever which the email didn't say
2: the email does not say that the email does not say anything about we will cover the costs and then your profit will be this and also fuck you because (laughs) again she can't pay her employees with instagram likes and if you're only paying the cost of the supplies, which let's remember how expensive eggs are right now,
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: on both sides of the Atlantic. So they've threatened legal action. Neither have apologized, you know. And you'd think. Oh, I'm sorry, we were, you know, we did not mean that we meant this. No apologies, none anywhere. And then Miss Tilsleydale <laughs> doubled down yeah. with a snarky comment, hoping that the cake lady Yikes. got the attention. She was craving Yikes! this bakery <laughs> owner who was just sitting, minding her own business, running a small business in Yorkshire, did not reach out to you or your PR team. Your PR team reached out to them. Mm -hmm. She was not craving jack shit. But she is booked until the end of September. So bravo for her. And I just, I wish Three Little Birds Bakery had merch because I would buy it.
0: Yeah, This was just like really ill-advised for Catherine to get involved in this in the first place Mm -hmm. if it had nothing to do with her, Because she wasn't, I don't think she was named in anything i think people worked out that it was her but she should just stayed out of it Mm -hmm. but if she was going to get involved in it the last thing she should be doing is calling the owner of the business cake lady and saying that she could she was craving attention it's like there's too many times you hear this about celebrities and the more money you make the less you pay for stuff right it's just a fucked up way of working right that if you have the money and the means to pay for something, you should probably be paying for it. But people are falling over themselves to give you stuff for nothing, right? And it gives a sort of sense of entitlement, yeah. and I think that's what was being demonstrated here,
2: right? Yeah. Meanwhile, Meryl Streep and and The Rock and um, and a number of other high end celebrities are putting millions of dollars into the SAG-AFTRA hardship fund to help pay mortgages and bills for writers and actors who are not superstars, mm. you know? So there's, And people are just really ragging on it because the, the email, which does not mention Catherine by name, says, we work for a high-end celebrity with 700,000 followers. Mm. And people are rightly, rightfully saying... That's not a lot of followers for somebody who's supposedly well
0: known. Well, this is true.
2: It's it is it's like I said. It's very shocking for someone in the arts to try to pull this because, as you and I know, lots and lots of people in places will approach writers and artists and poets, and podcasters, and and actors and musicians and say, "Hey, we'd really like you to perform." unfortunately we can't pay you but you'll get publicity out of it you know nobody wants to pay for the arts and so for somebody in the arts to say i don't want to pay for cake i want you to give me cake for free and then a tiny one for my husband (laughs) i don't mean that you do though and it's fine in this case i mean who has their birthday party on their husband's birthday and then request a smaller cake for him.
0: Which, stop saying that because you're making me make that noise. <laughs> anyway, I feel like we've talked about this.
2: <laughs> anyway, we are long v- enough. Anyway, I don't know where other Corey fans are on this, but we are firmly on the side of small businesses and the Sweet Bakery. And again, I hope at some point in the future they start selling coffee cups and. T-shirts because I will buy them, and that's Corey News.
0: An extended Corey News because obviously that's a hard-hitting story right there. So right. let's jump now to well, podcast for coffee.
2: I think it's hilarious that something British is being called something Gate that that the the something gate thing has permeated society so much after watergate that even people in countries not the united states use something gate to talk about controversial things
0: it just took 60 years there you go thanks to canadian helen
2: yay thank you my twin canadian helen
0: yeah, thank you, Canadian Helen, for your very generous donation for our coffee fund. Ooh. Canadian Helen writes, Hello, Helen and Gavin. Please enjoy some birthday coffee and treats for your upcoming birthdays. Thank you so much. That is very, very much appreciated. Yes,
2: we got some, I think the the bakery's name was Luscious. Wasn't it Luscious? Luscious Bakery. Luscious Bakery. We got, we got... Uh, they, were,
0: they were busy making cakes for <laughs> For William Roach. <laughs> but they but stopped to make me a sausage roll
2: and be a multi-grade croissant
0: the talk of the street is and will always be free on your podcast provider and on the youtubes but if you think our show is worth anything more than the time it takes to listen to it and if you want to show your appreciation you can buy us next week's coffee by going to Kofi.com. that's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street you can also sign up to be a friend of the podcast through the same link where for as little as two bucks a month you can get a mention in the closing credits of each and every episode and remember, Helen, you can always support the podcast for free and get us in front of new listeners by liking, subscribing, rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcasts. And now, this. a oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about peed on your cornflakes.
2: It says have something to do with Sally.
0: That's right, this was Carla wondering what had put Sally in such a foul mood. Who's peed on your cornflakes, she said. It was Tim. <laughs> I was Gavin, and you were sorry, Pete Davidson. You knew that you liked MILFs but you are a one woman man, which was news to me. <laughs> you had been struggling to keep up with Stelly's band camp costume requirements. And we were back from Canada with Steli for the first time. Do you remember what documentation got Steli into Canada? <laughs> it was
2: supposed to be her birth certificate, but it was actually like a receipt for Dobby's vaccination or something.
0: No, I thought it was a, a receipt from an oil change, <laughs> but it turned out it was a receipt from your oral surgeon. <laughs> we just handed it over and just handed it back. So that got Steli into Canada, apparently. <laughs> Ken has two microwave lasagnas for one in his freezer and one of them has Wendy Flaming Crozier's name written all over it. Sally's self-confidence is not the only thing that's recently been taken a beating as she scoops around in Tim's internet search history. Just like that. Aaron and Summer's on again, off again, on again, off again relationship is on again for now. But Summer's supposed intelligence is called into question when she describes Edinburgh in August. A piece of pork crackling has the better of George's dentures just when he has to be at his most impressive as he arranges an important funeral, but he's saved by a certain someone. Ooh. The Weather Gazette is taken with Homeless Jew's backstory and used it to publicise his initiative to reduce food waste, Cinco Leo remembers that he's a character on the show just in time to behave shadily and make Jenny question the validity of their relationship. Casino Night at the Bistro provides the cover for Debbie and Ryan to solve their monetary woes until she gets cold feet. Eileen smells like a granny. Alfie gets whiplash. That was because Jack was pushing them over the cobbles, remember? <laughs> and Craig needs space. Our moment of the week was the arrival of Glenda. And our pony moment of the week was Daniel explaining that Tolstoy used to dig ditches. That was Coronation Street and the Talk of the Street. This time last year. Do you year. think
2: Daniel has ever dug a ditch?
0: Either figuratively or literally. No. <laughs> We will take a break and we'll be right back for this week's recap. And we're back. Woohoo! Shall we dive in, my dear?
2: Yes, please. Our
0: first storyline tonight is panic at the lawyer's office. (laughs) On Monday, the Platts minus Sarah have congregated outside Nina's rolls, talking about the upcoming gender reveal party and how Sarah knows nothing and also isn't aware of the gender reveal party. (laughs) <laughs> Gail is concerned about the dress code Sarah comes along and they give her some pregnancy banter. So Sarah drags Stephen to one side and quitties him about what they know Letting it slip that Damon has been in touch Stephen covers, saying it was all just banter Meanwhile, in Nina's roles, Adam is meeting with Daniel Trying to get him on board for the gender reveal party Which Daniel doesn't approve of Adam just wants everyone in the same room t- So that they can draw a line under the affair stuff officially Sarah comes in and looks pensive as the two of them chat, but she doesn't say anything.
2: Of course, let's make the most obnoxious and pretentious character on the street the one who voices concern about, you know, hinging a child's future on their gender.
0: Mm. He's not wrong.
2: He's not wrong, and yet, and yet, we give it to we we give this voice to a character who nobody likes and is pretentious, and nobody uh, listens
0: to. People do like him. I think he's quite a popular character, just not in this is he? house. Mm.
2: Is he? I've, I've never seen anyone online say Daniel is my favourite character.
0: Oh, maybe not their favourite character, but they, they don't dislike him as much as I do.
2: Hmm. Or I.
0: In the fact that Sarah is preparing to send a text to Adam to test the water on how much he knows. Based on how he was in the cafe, he knows something. Stephen puts her mind at ease by spoiling the gender revealed party surprise, and Sarah is relieved. Yeah. Later, Adam is still stuck with Daniel as they wander aimlessly down the street. Adam is pissed because apparently the clinic is refusing to release personal information to a balloon company. What did the police say? Or at least not over the phone, which annoys Adam further because they told Sarah over the phone. So Adam and Sarah meet up outside the factory and he asks if she wants to go out for a meal in the bistro later and she agrees and then steps away to take a call from an unknown number.
2: In fairness to Sarah... And I know this didn't actually happen that they gave her information over the phone, but Sarah knows her... Well, not her social security. Sarah knows information about herself because she is the client of the clinic. The balloon company is not the client of the clinic.
0: I don't think it was the balloon company that was actually calling. I think that was my joke.
2: No, because I believe he said it was the balloon... You know, they wouldn't do information for the balloon
0: company. No, they wouldn't tell Daniel.
2: No, this is... No, Daniel is going to ask... It's because the balloon company couldn't get the information that Daniel, at this point, agrees to try to get the information, uh, pretending uh, to be uh, Adam.
0: I'm, I'm suspicious that I've over-egged this somewhat for comedic purposes. Anyway. Anyway. So, Sarah gets a call from an unknown number, and it's Damon, so she hangs up, and I'm warning him never to call again, again. So Adam goes back to the law office. Daniel comes in but says apparently they need a reference number but it's unclear if he's talking about the paternity clinic or the balloon company. <laughs> Adam had previously made a song and dance about not knowing the gender until Sarah knows but now says fuck it so that the story can happen. He no longer cares that he'll find out first but he swears Daniel to secrecy about this. At the factory Sarah gets another call from Damon and again 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 she tells him to stop calling her and she blocks his number this time. At the Bistro, preparations are underway for the gender reveal. Gail has two badges on her blouse. One for a boy, one for a girl. Ha ha. Audrey thinks that this is clever. (laughs) In comes an oddly subdued Adam with a box. What's in the box? What's in the box? John Doe has the upper hand. (laughs) Daniel takes this time to tell Adam how glad he is that everything's worked out so well after Sarah got her hole off of Damon. Aye, says Adam, and he leaves the box on the table. I'm glad that this little sting has proved to be useful. Yes. Later, it's action stations as Adam and Sarah arrive. Surprise! Shouts everyone, and Sarah pretends that she doesn't know what the party is for. Gender reveal, explains Adam. Sarah makes a brief speech apologising for the upset that she's caused, but how lucky she is to have Adam and the wider family on her side. This is the start of the rest of their lives are about to open the box when Daniel quickly stops as Ken has forgotten his camera and has gone home to get it. For fuck's sake, Ken. (laughs) While they're waiting, Sarah claims that she had no idea about the party and when Ken comes back, Adam tells Sarah to open the box herself. And when she does, streamers and confetti are fired across the bistro as Gwyneth Paltrow's head rises (laughs) out of the box with two words written across her decaying forehead in Sharpie. (laughs) It's Damon's. John Doe has the upper hand.
2: <laughs> we'll never not be funny. No matter no matter what, no matter where, if there's a box, we're going <laughs> to reference this movie. Yeah,
0: and Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Yes. Sarah, and, and you don't see Gwyneth Paltrow's head. No, of course not. Point, which, if anything, makes it funnier. Yes. Sarah oddly blames Damon which frankly embarrasses everyone so Adam has to spell it out. It was him who had done this. The letter that he got from the fertility place was a fake, just like his wife. And he storms out. Sarah tells Stephen this is his fault and she storms out after Adam and Stephen wishes he'd left the letter in the fucking bin and he storms out after the pair of them yes. and then the Benny Hill music plays.
2: <laughs> and then and then Shona's son <laughs> runs across the street It zigzags. Clayton. Yes, avoiding tombstones. Wait, why is Shona not at this gender reveal party? She's a plot, And she would have said something hilarious. Just
0: for safety reasons, I think. <laughs> On the street, Sarah wants to explain everything. Stephen takes responsibility for forging the letter, but Adam doesn't give a fuck about any of this no. anymore and tells them both to just stay away. Sarah goes to number one to speak with Adam, but runs into Tracy and then Ken, who both tell her to slinger hook and probably call her a whore bag as well adam deserves better let him grieve for the future you took away from him says ken pretentiously
2: right yes i love how people have to keep reminding ken that he had difficulty keeping it in his pants his whole life
0: but anytime anyone reminds him of this like they do at this party right he just chuckles right that's right that, was a, terrible slag. that was a terrible slag that's right, right.
2: yep yeah. i'm not now though because i'm old
0: David, who doesn't work at the factory, goes to the factory to find Sarah. He tells her that he doesn't think her marriage is over just yet. Like how he's Max's dad. This has worked out well. David says Adam has a choice (laughs) to make and can be the dad of this kid. Sarah doesn't think that's likely. David tells her that she's not alone and advises that she talks with Adam.
2: Right, and says, even if Adam doesn't step up, you'll never be alone because we as a family will raise this child.
0: Good God. Yeah, this really wasn't worth breaking into a factory for, David.
2: Right, I loved this. this did you? I did, I did. This is, this is one of my favorite scenes this week. There's not an awful lot of times where, where David gets to be the voice of reason and comfort. And it's just, it's just nice that it shows, no matter how they slag one another off out in the world, that they have one another's backs
0: yeah, and the plats stick together. Yeah, this is David and Sarah Lou, right? Forever.
2: Yes, and and for that, I really enjoyed this.
0: Daniel tracks Adam down to the Rovers. He's texted Sarah to tell her to stay away from the flat until he's cleared his stuff out. But Daniel thinks there's a little something called soft play to consider.
2: Yes, soft play.
0: Sarah goes home while Adam is packing, but not like that. She didn't want to know the paternity results because she didn't care about them. And there's an innocent baby on the way. Adam needs to know where his headphones are. She says that she knows that she hurt him, but it's not just about the hurt, it's about the lies. She even lied about not knowing about the gender reveal party. She says that he's hurt her in the past too, which just makes Adam more sure that there's no trust. She lied about his baby. She knew what that meant to him. He's done. And by the way, where's my fucking headphones?
2: Right, yes. He, those headphones must be made of gold
0: <laughs> on Wednesday Adam is sleeping on Peter's couch Peter is a welcoming host but makes it abundantly clear that Adam can't stay there for another night the flat is too crowded plus you bang on Mrs. <laughs> in the recent past so go and live at Chesney's <laughs> Meanwhile,
2: this flat with only three people in it <laughs> <right>. is crowded
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, well see you start letting people in that's, that's your first that's mistake. how you get to
2: Eileen's <laughs> house
0: yeah, exactly There was a point when it was just Eileen that lived in that. Right. Meanwhile, Gail and Audrey are at the flat telling Sarah that basically she's been a bit of a whore and deserves what she gets. Sarah wants to go speak with Adam, but Audrey thinks that's the worst thing she can do. But Sarah thinks that she can save her marriage.
2: Right. It's hilarious. She asks them their advice. What should I do? They both tell her, you got to let him cool down before you go and talk to him. You've got to give him space. And she immediately says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to follow your guys' advice, even though you've been with many men between the two of you
0: yeah, apparently. and
2: have, a, have plenty of experience with men, more experience than I will ever have. I'm not going to take your advice.
0: And the law office, Didi is shocked at Adam's behaviour at the gender reveal party. He knows he hasn't covered himself in glory here, but now the one thing he needs to worry about is finding some place to live. Didi isn't taking sides here but immediately takes sides and offers up her spare room. At this, Sarah comes in, looking to talk, so Dee Dee leaves. Sarah's tactic is to accuse Adam of fucking everything that moves too, but he points out that he hasn't been doing it while they were together. He says that he's the good guy here, and she's the one who's lied to him constantly and repeatedly, and would have let him believe that he was the father of this baby throughout his life. Sarah doubles up in pain, but Adam doesn't believe it and says it's just an act. Do you really think that badly of me, she asks. Absolutely, he says So, Sarah leaves and is in pain When Maria, who looks like she's been playing football for Peru Turns up to see how she is Sarah explains about the stomach pains But then shuffles off in a taxi To the hospital Yes Later, Adam bumps into Maria on the street And she tells him about Sarah going to hospital Whoopsie, says Adam So at the hospital, Sarah is waiting to be seen and contemplates calling Adam, but then she's called by the nurse and the moment passes. And the nurse is doing the scan, but there's no sound and there's no sign of a heartbeat. Sarah becomes agitated, so the nurse goes off to find a doctor so that they can take a look. But the doctor confirms what we already knew. Sarah has lost the baby. The nurse asks what Sarah would like to do either letting the pregnancy pass or she can get some medication to speed matters along. Sarah explains to the nurse about the problems that she's been having at home, how she and her husband have split up, how the baby wasn't her husband's, and she begs the nurse not to judge them when the nurse says, I'm not judging anybody here. no. Sarah talks about the fight and wonders if the baby knew that it wasn't wanted. The nurse doesn't think it works like that, and the fact is that it probably was never viable from the get-go and it was nobody's fault. Sarah can't imagine walking around waiting for the baby to pass naturally. And the way they have her drifting from being upset to being calm is quite amazingly done, I thought. She can't go on not knowing when this will end, so the nurse offers a surgical solution after seeing in her notes that she lost the baby after two days and suffered postpartum after Soft Play was born. Yes. Yeah. yeah, this scene with Sarah and the nurse mm-hmm. was so accurately portrayed i felt it kind of mirrored my experience of being in that room right and, and hearing those words
2: can, can i can i just say this show has really stepped up as far as portraying this sort of thing far more accurately than they have in the past mm. because let's remember it was less than a year ago that summer had her miscarriage and then um, Maria had her miscarriage about a year before that.
0: Maria's was done well.
2: I didn't think them. I didn't think Maria. I didn't think either one of them were done as well as this.
0: M- maybe not, but I don't think Maria's was done badly because I remember it kind of triggering me a little bit. Yeah, I don't think Summers did at all. But that wasn't really the important part of that story at that point. It felt it felt like kind of skimmed over it very quickly and yeah, it, it moved on. It
2: felt to me both Maria's and summers were skimmed over very quickly you know it was it was like maria came out of the bathroom said i'm bleeding they went to the hospital and then and then we see her you know laying on a bed with gary holding her hand and her crying because she's lost the baby yeah and, but the
0: things that she was saying and the way that she was reminiscing about her her previous losses mm-hmm. felt felt effective but i yeah, agree I, I think the way that this has been done with Sarah and Tina O'Brien's performance in it I think was spot on
2: yeah and the hospital bit I think I think that's more that's more where I'm where I'm feeling the show has has done a better job at portraying you know the the clinician talking to Sarah and explaining the different ways that this will move forward and what she wants to do, and being very specific about medication options and everything.
0: Even before that, going to say, I'm just going to get a doctor to take a look, because you know what that means. Yes. Because she's not paid enough to say you've lost your baby. Right, yeah. And you need to get another pair of eyes on this before that decision can be made.
2: And with Maria and with Summer, you know, there was no discussion about medication. It was just like, oh, she's had a miscarriage, and and it's over, Mm -hmm. sort of thing. You know, and especially summer seemed to be up and about very quickly as yeah, hatching, as opposed
0: hatching plans, yeah.
2: as as opposed as opposed to this. So I, I really want to applaud the show for really stepping up and and portraying a miscarriage in a very accurate way. I do think that three miscarriages in like two ish years is maybe too many, but oh
0: well well yeah I, I think we'll get to that but the for the moment the atmosphere in the room the 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 lowered lighting mm-hmm. which which rang true for me yes sitting there as useless as i was in that situation but you know you you remember certain things about it and you know, i remember the lighting and i remember the doctor coming in to to make a to confirm it and I mm-hmm. remember the emotions of it and I remember how it kind of comes in waves and you're kind of lucid and you're talking fairly uh, competently one moment and then you're an absolute wreck the next moment and right. and yeah I thought they did it I thought they did it exceptionally well yes so Adam turns up at the hospital while Sarah's back in the waiting area he's got his clumpy shoes on again and he apologises for being so vicious earlier she says that she's been seen already but she's lost the baby and she's waiting for the operation to remove the fetus. Adam promises to look after soft play in the meantime, and she asks him to look after her stuff. And while he's been calm and pleasant to her, this is when I expected her phone to ring with a call from Damon. But thankfully, right. that didn't happen.
2: Or or Adam, once t- her back was turned, to dig through her purse and grab her phone. Right. And yeah, I'm glad that didn't happen.
0: Me too. Back home later. It's all done. Sarah chides herself for being upset when she didn't even know if it was a boy or a girl, but Adam knows, and he's able to tell her that it was a girl, and this sets Sarah off again. She was going to call her Sadie, Sid, if it was a boy. Thank fuck it was a girl then. (laughs) Adam thinks it's his fault, and everyone will agree. She puts his mind at ease on that. He wants to hug her, but then Gail comes in, and that's the end of that. Mm -hmm. At number one, Adam is upset as he explains what happened. Daniel very quickly moves into tough love mode, saying that it's remarkable how Adam is upset after this, after everything that's happened, and a lesser man may have washed his hands already. This must mean that Sarah is the one, she's the itch that you keep on scratching, which sounds kind of horrible. Adam goes back home. Sarah thanks him for showing up, but he says that it hasn't changed anything. He's behaved badly, he admits, but the trust is gone and he can't get over it. He cared today from one human to another, and their marriage has been dead for weeks since she slept with Damon. The timing sucks, and he'll be vilified in the street, he says, but he'll be filing for divorce. And in tears, she nods. So on Friday, Sarah wakes up to find Gail in her kitchen. (laughs) She's contemplating dippy eggs. Genuinely terrifying. Gail offers to look after Softplay for the day but Sarah reckons that she's going to need to tell him about the miscarriage sooner or later and there's little sense putting it off. Adam clomps into the flat to pick up the rest of his stuff. Sarah warns him that his trainers are a biohazard and they're very civil to each other and Adam offers to hang around to break the news to Softplay about the baby. And the good atmosphere continues as they joke about the biscuit barrel. Sarah wonders about telling uh, Harry about them breaking up. Adam thinks they should wait, but wants to reassure him that he'll still be around. he'll still be his dad. He thinks they should draw up an agreement to that effect, right, and later Gail is background speaking to Sarah. well, Adam reads to Harry, Gail is furious at Adam and is shocked to learn that they're already talking about divorce, reckoning it's insensitive to be doing that. Sarah tells her if he wished and keep her opinions to herself It was Sarah, what lifted tail let's not f- let's not forget. So later, Adam and Sarah explain miscarriages to Harry, who has no notes at the end of the discussion goes nope. and goes off to play with his Lego. Sarah appreciates Can that. Can I
2: play with my
0: Lego <laughs> now? Sarah appreciates Adam <laughs> helping out and agrees to sign anything Adam wants. He advises her to get a solicitor, but she says that she trusts them. Bad uh, idea. Uh-oh. Gail bumps into Ken on the street and she can't resist having a pop, telling him to tell his grandson that he's a boorish and fool. Ken is taken aback but suggests Gail takes a moment to remind Sarah that she's a whore. Gail doesn't like the mirror and wanders off. Sarah goes back to number eight where Gail is determined to make eggy bread for somebody. Sarah's learned about the ding-dong with Ken and doesn't think this is the right way to handle things. Gail stands by her guns though and thinks Adam should be ashamed. Sarah has come round to the idea of divorce and co-parenting now. Harry has to come first so no more slanging matches and gail promises no such thing and that's as far as we get with this storyline yes. this week. to your point of the third miscarriage in three or four years or whatever two-ish it does seem like the arrival of a baby is a plot point that creates complications further down the line right off then you now, have another now kid. Sarah has another baby right so let's Let's get around that by getting rid of the baby.
2: If 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 that's a problem, then maybe let's not have these women constantly getting pregnant.
0: Oh, I'm absolutely <laughs> agreeing. It is overdone for for drama purposes. Right. Someday, at some point's got to have a baby.
2: Right. <laughs> we haven't had a baby on the street in a long time. Well, Alfie. I keep forgetting about Alfie.
0: How does this the story The show has forgotten about Alfie? How does the story change if Sarah didn't miscarry. Adam's still going to leave her. Right. Adam is still probably going to want a divorce. Yeah. So the the actual storyline doesn't change that much in the short term. No. Because I don't think... I don't think he's ever going to come round because that really was kind of shoddily done. It was...
2: They had a gorgeous wedding, though.
0: (laughs) They had a really good wedding. And they'll always have the memories of that. But she lied to him so many times about this I don't think, I don't think there, there was really a way through this for both of them
2: and I, his nose is also not clean in their relationship because <laughs> Carla
0: well they weren't together when that happened
2: I thought they were together when that happened no weren't they together but not together together when that happened I'm pretty sure they were
0: what because you're describing a nuance of a relationship that I'm not sure I'm following they either were together or they weren't they weren't together.
2: married but they were dating I don't think they were together I, don't, I thought I don't they, think they were dating were. at the time I could be wrong the past four-ish years almost have, have kind of passed in a blur in many ways for some reason he was a real dick about the whole Lydia thing if you'll remember he kind of deserved to be pushed off that balcony if I'm honest
0: but he didn't remember Lydia did he
2: no well he claimed he didn't but he was also kind of a a, a dick when you know when she said hey you really hurt me and he he kept denying it I don't know there's something about Adam I just don't like I don't know why because I tend to like Scottish (laughs) men with beards for some reason it's the
0: shoes I think it's the clippy cloppy shoes
2: and he's too tall and uh, not round enough
0: <laughs> i don't know I,
2: he's smarmy he's very smarmy
0: he's smarmy, when he was introduced as being untrustworthy right
2: and, and a ne'er-do-well and I somebody it, who sleeps around and i think he's
0: kind of come round from that it, i think he's a nicer guy now than he was he's possibly the nicest that he's ever been but yeah
2: he's still kind of i mean what he did regardless of how he felt what what he both the it's Damon balloon and the I'm so sorry you just had a miscarriage I want a divorce. Both of those were not were not done by a person who is kind, you know.
0: Yeah, he did recognize that, and um, very quickly afterwards, though.
2: After Dee said something, <laughs> it took Dee Dee saying something. I know.
0: I think he knew that he'd, he'd kind of taken it all, but. Far, a little bit far, very far. far. Getting Gwyneth Paltrow involved was unnecessary. And cutting off say. her head, right?
2: That's the that's the real problem here. Why isn't he in jail for decapitating America's sweetheart, Gwyneth? John Doe Calcio? has the upper hand.
0: <laughs> that's right. John Doe does have the upper hand. I do think this is splitsville for them.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: and it probably should be.
2: Yeah, I don't.
0: If, I don't if know. there is the right. If you right about anything, it's just that the level of distrust that they have in each other... Right. ...is at such a level now... Yeah. ...that there really is no way back.
2: No. And they never... They never really worked as a couple... And I couldn't really put my finger on why... Until Damon was introduced. And it's like, wow. Sarah has all this chemistry... With this character... And they really, they're really hot together, and it really sizzles together. And I never really felt that way about her and Adam, even when they were just, you know, just out of the bedroom sort of thing, or just about to go into the bedroom sort of thing. They never, they never quite meshed. They were better than, say, Craig, Cr- and, Craig Faye. and Faye. That's
0: exactly what I was going to say. Yes, but let's not measure relationships on that basis. <laughs>
2: At least Craig and Faye split on good terms. Ish. Did they? <laughs> Better terms. And at least there was Let's no... <laughs>
0: Let's say terms. They split on terms.
2: And at least there was no dead baby involved. No. In that one.
0: The, the minute that Sarah got pregnant, and the minute that it became unclear whose baby it was, there was very much the fear that this is, this is never a baby we're going to have to worry about casting. This, right. is, this is going to be just a, a, a baby thing that's say. here just for the drama of right. the situation. just to
2: split these two up. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, do better.
0: And it, it, yeah, it feels like a miscarriage should be more than a plot point. Right. Or a way to get you through this week.
2: A, a way to get you out of a plot point. Mm-hmm. Because it was like, you know, Summer's miscarriage was because we could really never have her actually sell her baby to these horrible people. And I don't, I don't really, I don't really understand why Maria's miscarriage had to happen because she and Gary are still together, right? And they'd be awesome as parents because they are awesome as parents. You know, they're both. Well, Maria is awesome as a parent, and Gary is awesome as a parent when one of his children is right in front of his face. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time, he forgets things.
0: What more do you want from a father? <laughs> Let's move on then. Our second storyline tonight is Sunita's Orbs.
2: Oh my god, we are only on the second story.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on delay. On Monday, in the shop, Dev is planning a pumpkin curry in Sunita's honour because it's 10 years since she passed. Addy and Asha are unimpressed because they remember nothing about their mum or her curry preferences. Dev doesn't care and hands the recipe off to Addy, who hands it off to Asha. Meanwhile, in Nina's roles, Bernie is wor- worried about Sunita Fest. But Nina tells her not to be concerned as Seb is frequently in her mind and Asha knows not to be jelly. Asha drops into Nina's rolls for some, some cumin, a vital ingredient in the Sunita curry. And indeed, cumin is very much an important ingredient. Right,
2: and Addie spilled all of the cumin all over the floor. And they're using butternut squash, they're not using pumpkin.
0: So it's out of season. Paul, and also it's the UK, Right. Paul is there and somehow manages to wangle an invite to the dinner along with Bernie.
2: Guess what? It's also that butternut squash season.
0: As Nina is showing off some photos of Asha and Addy cooking, they notice a funny mark on one of the pictures, like the flash is reflected back or something. At Dev's, a pumpkin curry has gone down well. Dev is keen to know whether Addy gave Asha her bracelet back. Addy insists that he did, and Asha is smart enough to cover. It's an orb, screams Bernie, looking at the printed-out picture, and she explains it's supernatural energy and nobody cares. And here I am grateful that... Courtney Boobs was good to her word and has fucked off to the Caribbean for a couple of weeks or whatever on her cruise. Yes. That's why this that story isn't happening this week.
2: Yes, thank God. Right. Thank God. Although it does get a nod because of the bracelet.
0: After the dinner, Bernie is still going on about the orbs and has some proof that she's found online calling them visible evidence of ghosts. Are is shocked to find that his mum might have seen him getting his hole off of Courtney Boobs. Bernie thinks that evidence is overwhelming. That smudge on the lens is Sunita. Dev calls it tin pot, which coming from Dev is a lot. Bernie, because no one believes her bullshit theory, storms off in a huff. So Paul goes home to check on his mum. Bernie tries to talk to Paul about the afterlife and how Paul's nan on her deathbed said that she'd let Bernie know from the other side, and the next day there was an owl. Yeah, Paul, I,
2: feel like, I feel like there was more to the owl story. But she gets cut off by Paul laughing at her. Mm-hmm. You know, and I wanted to hear the rest of the story about this owl.
0: But this is this is so true of anyone who's been to Falkirk Crematorium or any crematorium, I'm sure. Falkirk crematorium has got this big glass wall mm-hmm. that looks out onto the grounds of the crematorium, which yes. is, which are gorgeous. Yes. And as I've been there, as you're watching the the coffin depart through the, the curtain, right, somebody will look out the window and they'll see a rabbit or they'll see a crisp packet blown across the grass and they'll see something that, that they say, Well, that was a little sign there from the afterlife that your mum was that rabbit. Or whatever. Or, that crisp, or that crisp packet. And it's just,
2: really? I'd be really upset if somebody... I'm
0: sure that there's somebody there with a, a, a stash of rabbits <laughs> that just lets one of them loose for every funeral just so that somebody can say that they saw a rabbit.
2: Yeah, I, you know, I think, I think there is a certain amount of comfort for some people looking for signs to find those signs. And I don't necessarily think those people should be poo-pooed however i also don't think it's a, appropriate for bernie to be insisting that a woman she's never met is here in the room with us on the anniversary of her death in front of her children No. Oh. you know so there's enough blame to go around to everybody and let's be honest bernie is the one who comes out of this story with her nose the dirtiest because of what comes later
0: if you're looking for a sign you'll see a sign
2: right and that's okay
0: so anyway the owl paul thinks it's pish although he concedes that the thought of an afterlife is comforting bernie goes back to devs to explain or apologize or whatever she says that if sunita is listening that bernie says that she's doing her best and she hopes that she knows what a good job dev is doing raising the kids dev goes off for a bath and asks for bernie to join him and as she passes she turns the photo of the kids to face Sunita. And at that point, I thought, oh, that's a lovely oh, little gesture. Right, yes. Isn't yeah, that nice? Me too. On Wednesday, uh. a devs Bernie's going on about the hacienda to kill sometime until Addy notices that the photo of him and Ash on the sideboard is now pointed towards Sunita. Bernie fakes surprise, but then mentions that it could be the spirits at play.
2: Right, and then at this point I say, fuck you, Bernie. Seriously. What the hell, man?
0: Dev nips this in the bud. He wants no more supernatural piss out of Bernie. Capiche? She capishes. And in the roles later, Bernie has forgotten that she capished and is going on about the spirit world in front of Paul and Dev. She explains what happened to the photo to Paul and this really gets Dev wound up, especially when she talks about Sunita's restless spirit. And at that point, I'm like, fuck you, Bernie, talking about sunita's restless spirit to right. her War. Yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah,
2: this is such an... Even for her, this is so insensitive.
0: She seems to take offence when Dev doesn't respect her beliefs, even though she definitely moved the photo. And that's that what was getting me as well. Like she's, right. getting, she's taking offence at this, even though she moved the photo, we saw her do it. Yeah. But Dev is offended that she doesn't respect his beliefs. A moved photo does not prove that afterlife exists. He shouts and he storms out, leaving his eggs. But Barney, not like that. Bernie sneaks home and starts moving photos around again, this time picking them up from the sideboard and putting them on... Next to the TV or something.
2: Right. Yeah. What is that supposed to signify,
0: Bernie? But then Dev catches her in the act, and he's very angry that she's pretending that the house is haunted by Sanita. What does she have to gain from this? Bernie says this is about truth, her truth, and she wishes that Paul would see that too. Dev is outraged that she's freaking out his kids for her son's benefit. He's not on board with us, not one little bit, and he leaves. And he goes round to the God flat to speak with Paul. Paul th- isn't it funny seeing dev in the god flat yes but what yes paul thinks dev is going to ask for bernie's hand but not like that dev explains about the photo stuff and bernie's hand in that he's not dumping her though because he can see where she's coming from really dev t- tells paul that it would help bernie if he pretended to believe in the afterlife or at least to keep an open mind paul double checks that he's heard this right make the dying guy make her feel comfortable bingo says dev <laughs> so paul arranges to meet bernie in the pub and pretends that he can see her aura she quickly susses out that he's ripping the piss out of her he says that he can't say for sure that she's wrong about everything so for the meantime he's going to keep an open mind and take his blinkers off free your mind and the rest will follow says a very happy bernie on friday Bernie's is at the quad house with paul so she can do her spiritual shite she burns some sage to cleanse the room which apparently stinks a cat pee Paul tells her to smoke them to death and speed things up, why don't you? But Bernie does not see the humour in this.
2: No. Also, Sage, does not smell like cat pee.
0: Later. Burning Sage?
2: N- yeah. burning. I've, I've smudged houses before. It does not smell of cat pee.
0: Later, Bernie puts a sheet down on the floor for Paul to lie on and she strokes his hair, gets upset at herself and then deafens him with some, some world music <laughs> which apparently has to be allowed to please the spirits or something or make him bathe in it or whatever, who cares. Later, Bernie's massaging Paul's skull to free of negative energy. That's going to take a while, says Paul. And it's probably having his mum's hands in his head that brings the enormity of everything to him and they both begin to get upset and cry he thinks that it'll be easier once he's gone and he's not suffering she would take this illness from him if she could he tells her that he couldn't have hoped for a better mum and she tells him his spirit is unbreakable and she's so proud of him and that's as far as we get with that this week
2: yeah that was that was a really sweet moment because he's like i'm so glad you're my mom and and you know you you did the very best job and she's the one who mentions that she brought a pedophile into mm-hmm. the house and, and he's like, that was not your fault. And I thought that that was, that was really great for him to say that to her, you know, and, and to say, and to clear her of responsibility of that situation and everything. It was, it was really nice how honest they were with one another.
0: Right. Yeah, that was uh, another really sweet moment for the the two are and tears, and just what a what an enormous situation that is, and an overwhelming situation, and Absolutely. The, the fact that Bernie's going to outlive Paul is probably not something that she's really ever thought, ever about, thought about having to deal with, right. and, and how
2: what parent does.
0: And oh my God, I can. You know, it feels like it's a situation where it's very easy to put yourself in the, in the shoes of, of these to imagine what it must be like and what they must be, must be feeling and the emotions involved in it. And I thought they kind of captured it, pretty well, in in that end scene. But the it was a long road to get there. Yeah. And my problem with a lot of Coronation Street this week has been. I didn't really care about an awful lot of these stories until little moments like this happened. Right. And it was the little moments that really make you come out of a Friday thinking, well, that wasn't too bad because right. we had that moment. But everything that happened before it with the orbs and the move and the photos right. and stuff was, yeah. was really kind of yeah. verging on despicable, I would right. have said.
2: Is, is there a way to get us to this point that doesn't involve Bernie manipulating death's children? Right. And I think, yeah, there probably was. There's got to be. You know, is, is there a way to get to Sarah's heartbreaking miscarriage without the Damon balloon? I think there was. They just didn't take it.
0: I mean, as much as it was, un- I hate talking about a story of the line that we've finished talking about, but that balloon moment was probably the highlight of the Monday because it was a dramatic moment. But... As far as this is concerned, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's there was better ways to to get to this heartfelt moment without right. without without the psychological damage that Bernie was attempting to do to Adi and Asha, who Dev says have been nothing but welcoming to Bernie, which isn't exactly true. No, but it's in spirit, it's true, I right. guess,
2: and they, if not they,
0: actually in practice,
2: they have they have warmed to her now, but initially, they were dicks to her.
0: Seriously. I'm glad that this didn't result in Dev dumping Bernie again yeah, because I, I think thought it was getting, been down that path I one, thought it
2: was getting very close Yeah, one I probably already. would have dumped her for this I think she saves herself by like, even even though he gets upset at her because he, she's using his kids to make her kid feel better I think Dev gets Dev when he calms down and Bernie gives him space which is what Sarah should have done with Adam Mm-hmm. He does calm down and he says, you know, and and he goes to talk to Paul. And that gets us to the touching moment. But, yeah, I, it made me hate her a little bit.
0: It did, and I don't like hating her. No. Because this version of her that she's been for the longest time is, it's kind of, it's more obvious to see where her heart is than it was. Right. It, it wasn't all that obvious here no. in the, and the cost of that i don't think was was really worth it no what was funny though was paul saying seriously you're making me be the the person who who makes someone else feel comfortable in this situation right and devs like well, if you wouldn't mind that would be great right yeah <laughs> right well it's like
2: alia being told by men to make max feel better <laughs>
0: right oh shit, at yes. least so this is two men yeah let's not pick up that scab all right, let's move on to our next story, which is Pumping Ryan. But not like that. On Monday, Ryan has finished a workout, which Carla disapproves of because he's a smelly man when he's been working up a sweat. Ryan has had time to think and reckons that he's been harsh on Daisy, so is planning on apologising. He still doesn't want to be mates with her, though. All right. So later, he bumps into Daisy on the street and he apologises for the other day. He was a bit aggressive and nasty, he says. And she says that she deserved at least some of that. Then in another storyline, it's Johnny's birthday, death day thing. And they're having a wee do at the Rovers. So around the table, you've got... Carla, yeah, Jenny,
2: Maria. Daisy, and Maria. Because for some reason, even though he's in the show the very next day, Gary couldn't make it.
0: Yeah, they had some furniture to arrange or something.
2: Right, yeah. Even though Maria's like, oh, Gary will want to be there because those two kind of kept each other sane.
0: In prison in prison right carla wants to take a selfie of the group but there's confusion over whose phone she's using and she ends up using ryan's and uploads what she thinks is a group photo but it turns out to be a picture that ryan has taken thankfully just of his abs with his face carefully hidden which seems like a ridiculous set of complications there that is is this my phone no am i am i uploading the correct photo here also no all right right sean it's not notices. like this
2: is something complicated anymore yeah.
0: sean notices this photograph on social media and goes oh who's this this isn't peter <laughs> and realizes that it's ryan and ryan notices and is ha, 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 he's furious and storms out cala tracks ryan down to the beer garden and she apologizes for her big fat sausage fingers inside no one can figure out ryan's reaction because he's looking hot as fuck and sean has screen cropped it for a quick shifty one later Daisy is pleased to see positive comments but Ryan who has come back through is angry that she's looking at the photo and Carla attempts to blame her for it all. Nice one Daisy. Daisy really wasn't doing anything.
2: No no it was Sean's phone for Pete's sake.
0: (laughs) Ryan storms off to the gunnel and is so angry at the picture that he smashes his phone. Boy those steroids are really working quick. Back at the flat, Carla apologises for ruining Ryan's evening, but explains that tons of strangers think that he's super hot, so he should be happy about that for fuck's sake. Apparently people think that he's hench, whatever that means. Ryan goes off to his room to celebrate by injecting some steroids into his arsehole. On Wednesday... Well, his arse cheeks. Can you
2: imagine injecting something directly into your arsehole?
0: Can't be pleasant.
2: As opposed, you know... I know people do that with vodka sometimes. Do they? Yeah,
0: to into get, their arsehole or just up their arse? Because of the well, difference.
2: Up their arse, but that's
0: like a vodka enema.
2: Yeah, to get drunk quicker. Because
0: does does your arse get drunk
2: quickly? It gets. Uh, supposedly, it gets into your system faster that way, and so you get drunk faster.
0: This is what's wrong with this world. Like <laughs> just drinking vodka isn't quick enough.
2: Right, and also. The idea that the fun of drinking vodka is the getting drunk part, as opposed to drinking vodka with your friends and enjoying life. Mm. Of course, there are better things to drink than vodka,
0: but. I wasn't a good drunk on vodka. No. On Wednesday, Peter and Ryan are creepily looking at photos of Ryan's torso on his Insta. <laughs> Peter is surprised that some of the comments have been from fellas. <laughs> Ryan explains that he's just interested in showing off his gym bod, but not his face. This is how he's going to track his progress, and that's all that happened in that. Right? This week? Yes.
2: And then he calmly explained to Peter what a homosexual is.
0: <laughs> Did we work out what hench meant?
2: Ah, I meant to ask the kids. I think it's, I think it's, it's good, like hot or
0: something. I thought it was like a, like short for henchman. Well, there's no other thing for it than to go into Urban Dictionary, so if I don't come out of this, folks, it's been nice knowing you.
2: Strong, fit, and having well-developed muscles is typically used of a man, is what hench means.
0: So here's what Judge Fudge uh, has to say on the matter. It's <laughs> London slang. As a noun, it's someone strong-looking or muscular, but there is a verb to hench, which is to muscle someone out, to push them aside, beat them up in a fight. Look at that bodyguard, he's so fucking hench is the example that's given.
2: Right. Yeah, according to Wiktionary, the Wiktionary example was that's a seriously henched doorman. Mm. Why does everybody have what is it of, what is it about the word hench that makes you think of people who stand by doors?
0: That's like a henchman then. That must be the etymology of that. If you know any better, let us know. Okay, so Ryan <laughs> This is Ryan dealing with his his scarring by deliberately bulking up to be as buff as he possibly can be, Absolutely. But, but just posting photographs of his torso and doing that mostly, he says, for his purposes to track his progress. And and that all kind of makes sense and all feels fairly reasonable if it wasn't for the fact that he was taking steroids to do it.
2: There's a good intention in there somewhere. But he's taken a good intention and just like skipped a beat into bad intention.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it feels like something that something like this can become an obsession, and you're replacing something unhealthy with something that's just as unhealthy. Right. Although the the act of getting fit in and off itself is a, is a positive thing for for some people, and some people think it's a a fantastic use of their spare time and good for them, right? But when it becomes something that you fixate on and are willing to take, when, when it becomes an addiction, for, yeah, yeah, exactly. Then that's that's when it becomes a problem, and it seems like very quickly it's, it's becoming, becoming that problem. for Ryan.
2: Yeah,
0: Peter's quite funny though. Some of these are from fellas. Can you believe it?
2: Yes, Peter, we can believe it.
0: <laughs> Let's move on to our next story. Have language. you
2: met Sean, Peter?
0: <laughs> Our next storyline is Menage a Twat. <laughs> On Monday Yas means she and Stu have some bad news for Eliza. You're out. Oh, no. no. Her mum has been moved to a new prison in the northeast. Eliza's Eliza is upset and Stu's solution f- of video calling once a month doesn't help because her phone screen is all cracked. Eliza runs up the stairs in tears although it's not known if this is because her mum is moving further away or because her phone screen is cracked or both. Stu, Yasmin and Eliza come into Nina's roles. Eliza thinks that Yasmin and Stu should sell up their home and their restaurant to move to Newcastle to be nearer her mum. Fuck that, says Yasmin. Then in comes Sam wearing one of Craig's jumpers. He'd sent a text to (laughs) Eliza, but she couldn't read it because of the screen on her phone being so bad. So once again, I'm left confused over what she's really upset about here. Sam wanted to go to an indoor climbing centre, so Stu offers to do that instead of going to Yasmin's stupid fucking pub quiz again. But they all get home before the pub quiz starts. Well done, Stu. But it turns out that Eliza was embarrassed by her granddad at the climbing place because he made noises like he was getting his hole as he climbed, which makes (laughs) Yasmin blush. Yasmin heads off to the quiz with Sam. Stu makes an old man noise again when he sits down and Eliza moans that she doesn't have a normal mum and dad. Later, Eliza comes down the stairs. In the interim, Alia has been to the all-night iPad shop and brought back an iPad for Eliza so she can FaceTime her mum in style. Eliza smiles. It really was the cracked screen that was pissing her off the most. On Wednesday, Stu's tablet present leads to one too many of his jokes about tablets. has been is boastful that she and Roy won the pub quiz again last night. And then she goes on about how they both have their specialities and they're cool under pressure. And this pisses Stu off and says it was a pub quiz, not the G7 Summit. He slams down his mug and he leaves. Stu's another one of these characters who's just become an asshole over the last couple of weeks for no good reason.
2: Yes. This will become a theme of this week a little later on. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah.
2: And we know that he is insecure about his intelligence and his relationship with Yasmin. you know, and, and let's, let's be fair. Evelyn was made insecure about this as well. So
0: No, oh, that's true. Yeah.
2: You know, this is not this is not just a stew problem seeing that seeing Yasmin and Roy come closer and closer together. Right. You know, and it's and it's very obvious that Yasmin does not see it. You know, that Yasmin does not understand how her closeness with somebody else And closeness that has become closer and closer, more recently, might make her partner insecure.
0: Right. In speed dial, Yasmin is excitedly talking to Roy about an Ajax exhibition that they plan to attend. Stu thinks they're talking about the scouring powder. Roy explains that Ajax was a Greek hero from mythology and and also real life or something. Stu pretends that he was joking and turns down Yasmin's offer to go with. And later, Stu is making banana bread and is disappointed to see that Yasmin has brought Roy home. Stu pretends that he cares and asks how the exhibition was and both Yasmin and Roy enthuse about it. Then Roy says that sadly there were no scrubbing brushes. I'll make the fucking jokes, snaps Stu. Which would be fine if he did make jokes. On Friday, Ouch. Yasmin is going on about the Ajax exhibition to Alia while Stu is in the room and he does not enjoy the patter. Yasmin threatens to bring Stu to the next arty-farty thing that they do and she reminisces about that time that she used to paint but sadly life got in the way of her passions and she goes off to get her portfolio to show Roy which makes Stu roll his eyes. Alia notices something up and Stu confesses to her that he thinks Yasmin has gone off him in favour of Roy who's proper cultured than that. And later in speed Stu bounds in with exciting news He's got two tickets for an art class later today And so that the storyline can happen Yasmin assumes that the tickets are for her And Roy And she goes off to phone Roy To tell him the good news Who does that? Yasmin But really though Who does that? I've got two tickets If I came to you and said Oh I've got two tickets for this Would you assume that they were for you and me Or for you and a third party?
2: (sighs) if it was something i knew you weren't interested in i it might give me pause but because i have constant proof that you are willing to do things (laughs) that you're not interested in or that terrify you because i love those things i know better but
0: i wasn't fishing for that but (laughs) it doesn't doesn't do any harm i'm not gonna lie
2: again in fairness Yasmin's not very good with social cues she never has been which is kind of one of the reasons why tim's dad was able to coerce her for so long yeah that's true you know which is not blaming yasmin at all some people just aren't very good at picking up social cues And
0: maybe she's bad with the social cues because of her experience with her previous husband right as well and with tim's dad yes Yasmin hurries back home to tell Alia about the art class thing that Stu bought for her and Roy. You're a fucking idiot, Grant, says Alia, and she has to explain what was absolutely obvious to everyone. The pig's tits, says Yasmin. So Yasmin hightails it back to Speedal to apologise about her misunderstanding about the art class, but he passively aggressively tells her that she'd be better going with Roy anyway, what with him being a total philistine from the Northeast, He hopes that they have a lovely time. And back home, Yasmin isn't pleased about this and doesn't like the way Stu manipulated her. he didn't Alia assures her that Stu isn't Tim's dad and says that Yasmin has been spending an awful lot of time with Roy lately For it sounds an awful lot like Yasmin can't be friends with men unless Stu approves
2: I I don't think that's what Alia meant I think Alia just meant hey, you've been spending an awful lot of time with this other man so it makes sense that your partner might be a little insecure about that
0: Stu gets home and asks what the crack is your butt crack says Yasmin. if stew doesn't want to come to the art class then the art class will come to stew she reminds him literally that she will pick and choose her own friends but she says that she loves him now strip i've got a geordie butthole to paint
2: <laughs> and even alia because she's like you'll be my my life model and Stu's like what does that mean and alia goes that means all this has to come off and then you can see the look in her face saying i cannot believe i just said that and immediately exits
0: when eliza Eliza gets home stews in his dressing gown making out with yasmin on the couch she thinks yasmin's painting is interesting but the subject's leather jacket is too wrinkly and that snake looks a bit weary eliza whose phone by the way is in perfect condition goes off out the back to take a call from a mysterious old man called dom They're FaceTiming and this seems to be the first time that they've actually talked to each other and he's looking forward to meeting her face to face. And that's as far as we get with that this week.
2: Yes, it's like they've doubled down on creepiness. They they thought everybody was going to love the whole Addie with the older woman story and we all said, no, this is creepy, please stop. And so they said, fine, we'll give you a really creepy story if that's what you want. And we're like, no, that's not what we want. No creepiness. No putting children in danger. Please.
0: So, you came in into the the room to talk about this before we started recording, and I was kind of confused about what storyline we're talking about, because as far as I was concerned, this is obviously her dad.
2: And it's not obviously her dad to me, and to a lot of people online. And it may be her dad, but... This is the first time they've ever talked kind of face to face in real life. So if this is the first time she's ever talked to her dad face to face in real life, there must have been a reason why her mother and her gran kept her away from him in real life. So even if it is her biological dad, this is creepy as fuck. And it also could be just some dude from the internet claiming to be her dad. She doesn't have any proof this is her dad.
0: No, that, Nothing. Never, that never crossed my mind. No,
2: because to, you're a man.
0: So I'm looking at this thing, well, that's obviously her dad then. Because they're trying to introduce this mystery about who this guy is. And like, well, clearly it's her dad. And the fact that her mum and her gran tried to keep her dad out of her life doesn't really cut an awful lot for me given what her mum Grand have done for the past 20 odd years well
2: that just says to me that he is really truly a terrible human
0: being (laughs) i just think that eliza's a manipulative little madam
2: Stu did say when he gave her the tablet we will get your screen fixed so it's possible that that has happened
0: i must have missed that so i'm like wait a minute this this screen's perfectly fine
2: right Yeah, he says that when he's giving her the gift. He's like, now we will get your screen fixed as well for your phone. But in the meantime, you can use this to FaceTime your mom. So that could have possibly happened. It would have had to have happened in order for us to see this creepy man. And he is creepy looking. Let's be honest. (laughs) He's very creepy. And the way he's the way. After she says, I'm really looking forward to meeting you, the way he says, oh, I'm looking forward to it as well, just scream serial killer to me.
0: It's very creepy. Wouldn't he at this point be pretending to be a little girl? This this man was not pretending to be a little girl.
2: No, but that's that's fine. Older men can manipulate young girls without pretending to be little girls creepy they've looking been old doing it. they've been doing it for centuries before this technology existed
0: i guess and i don't know i'm just assuming because this is the way that soaps work but it, it may not be I, I could absolutely be wrong and you could be right but
2: either way it's another child endangerment story
0: and it was the fact that it was just dropped in at the end here right just like
2: what the fuck man really what the hell
0: well we have to get something out of this because at the moment this is just a storyline about Stu getting jealous about roy and yasmin and then getting his hold presumably
2: right which was but that was really it was really nice it is kind of weird that he's in a dressing gown and she's still fully clothed yasmin holds all the cards in this relationship
0: (laughs) john doe has the upper hand
2: and john doe is yasmin have i spoiled the movie for everybody (laughs) good
0: Clothed female, nude male as a as a genre, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and it kind of says to me that they didn't have sex; she just
0: painted him, and his an asshole. <laughs> I, I hope so anyway. I hope that's what the, <laughs> hope that's what the painting is, and we get to see it.
2: <laughs> I don't think we'll ever get to see that painting on television.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Remember Sadly. she was she was very good at painting, apparently.
2: Yes, especially especially penises
0: but again this is just another storyline this week where for the most part i'm just so unengaged in it until something reasonably amusing happens with a nude model and thing right and, and then and then the the strange whoever this creepy old fucker is right. thing. but up until then this is just this it's, is it's just not, more this is not working for me at all it's just
2: more of the yasmine and roy being annoying with one another oh god line. and aren't
0: they annoying with each other
2: oh my god i am pretentious i'm a very pretentious human being i admit that says moi. freely we are both pretentious people that's why we are married and even i was like oh my god these two just love smelling their own farts don't they
0: it reminds me of a a moment from homer's odyssey where (laughs)
2: Or from South Park, where everyone gets electric vehicles. The
0: slips their own farts. Yes. Yeah. No, but the two of them together just, oh, Yasmin, shut the fuck up. Oh. And she seems to be losing her cadence on how we speak. Just putting the emphasis all over the shop when she's being pretentious, and it's just... Right. That just drives me mad. Whereas opposed
2: to when she says, life muddle. <laughs> that i love
0: makes you fear for your life <laughs> model let's move on then to our penultimate storyline the return of the newt i was sure this man was dead anyway
2: yes we saw have we him- talked about this
0: we've talked about this yes. haven't we?
2: how the last time we saw him he was being carried off in a car screaming for his life
0: bundled i'm going to say he was bundled into a car yeah. screaming for his life on Friday, Gemma breaks in news to Chesney that she's off to do some promo work for Newton and Ridley. But before Chesney can get sand under his foreskin, she tells him that Henry won't be anywhere near there. And besides, they need the money and she needs to get out of that fucking house. Not only that, they're sending a car. So that's fancy, isn't it, Helen? It is fancy. Gemma stands out in the street later and is picked up by it's Henry suspicious. in a flash motor. Sorry for nearly getting you killed a few years ago, says Gemma. That's all right, says Henry. We really thought you were dead, says the audience. No, I'm fine, says Henry, and they drive off. But this interaction is seen by Chesney, and he makes a Chesney face. <laughs> After they're done, Henry drops uh, Gemma back on the street. and She's eager to get out of the car as quickly as possible, but he tells her that she did a great job and looks forward to them working together again next week. Back home, Chesney is furious that Gemma lied to him about Henry Newton. She apologises but says that she had to lie and they need the money and she assures him that she won't be working with him again except for that thing next week. Whatever, says Chesney. And that's as far as we get with that this week.
2: And it's so weird. She's very careful to not tell him she's married now and has
0: quads. (laughs) What's new we used? Uh, Oh, nothing much. Same old, same old, right? (laughs) Married to Chesney, have quads. Yes. (laughs) Who hasn't? How was the pandemic for you? Uh, happy could- to see Henry back I quite liked Henry before
2: he was mean
0: <clears throat> he was funny
2: well he was initially mean and then he I think he genuinely did care about Gemma by the end oh
0: he did he was to by the pub for her
2: do you think that this storyline and
0: the next storyline story yes. are
2: going to intersect at yes. some point yes Yeah.
0: and that point is next week right yeah.
2: Because there has to be a bigger reason why Henry is being reintroduced. It can't just be for Gemma to get a job selling cider.
0: There are currently eighty-three characters in Coronation Street.
2: We don't see eighty-three of them every week,
0: though, and that I think is the problem. And then we keep on introducing new ones, or reintroducing or reintroducing old, or reintroduce ones. old ones, and to hang about for a little while and they, they go away and there, there's all these storylines that could be happening between let's say a core 40 or 50 right characters keep on bringing more and we keep on bringing more and right. people that we don't care about don't really care about that much anymore spider was different because he was a real legacy character henry i don't think is a no. legacy character
2: no Wendy papadopoulos was
0: right and then she's in the note in six months right, or whatever. Well. Yeah,
2: and Spider's Spider's departure was kind of meh.
0: Oh, so meh. fucking stupid.
2: So meh and ridiculous when he should still be in it. You know, so, he so- and Twi- It was like, oh, this, this this great love story from the show has been rekindled and we're all happy about it. Oops, no, never mind. It wasn't it's it's not going to happen
0: yes he can't leave his job f- for her and she can't deal with him having the job because which, she'll
2: get constantly kidnapped for which him.
0: all coincidentally happens in a week ex- in exactly a year after it returned
2: right yeah and immediately after they get engaged <sighs> i will never not I, this is this is the most upset <clears throat> i've been about anything anything since um, Imran died It's it's amusing that the things that hurt me the most
0: <laughs> Involved deal Toya
2: with, Deal with Toya <laughs> So
0: oh, Me too
2: Right And you know it's all very fine for Georgia She still gets to enjoy Charlie But what do we get? Huh? What do we get? Not, Nothing
0: Not even any stills no. Well, the occasional still, but it's all very PG, isn't it? Right, yes.
2: <sighs> they are both fun to follow that's on Instagram, such
0: though. creepy thing, I just said. Didn't mean it. Well, did. well maybe a little. <laughs> I don't know. I love Charlie. What can I say?
2: And Georgia. We love them oh, both.
0: Oh, sure, that's well. yeah. Yes. yeah, so it's not the fact that I don't like the character of, of Henry Newton. I think he's a fun character. He seems to have matured a little bit. From the the very little that we see, he seems to be a a different sort of character, maybe a little bit more grounded. Because initially
2: he was very much Elon Musk, sort of playing with daddy's money sort of thing.
0: And I I think he probably is still doing that to some extent, but it didn't didn't come across as being so nepo baby.
2: Right. This time around, no. Of course, we see him
0: very briefly. Yeah, so this is all very much based on the couple of minutes of screen time that he has. Right. But it's not that I don't like the character. I do like the character. I think it's played very well by uh, George Banks. Mm -hmm. I'm just not sure that I'm sold on the necessity of it. Mm -hmm. When, again, you have this sprawling cast where most of them aren't getting anywhere near the screen time that you would expect. Right. We then were starting to focus again on storylines that require new people to come in we've, we've already got a couple that have been in for a couple of weeks in away way with courtney boobs and, mm-hmm. and darren and then we had we've got owen in as well and you know right all and this. then
2: we had damon and now damon's gone but damon is still around as far as a voice actor is concerned and is he going to come back completely who knows right and it would just it would just be nice even if they aren't even if it isn't their storyline, it would just be nice to have more people in the shot, so to speak. You know, like, would it really have been that difficult for Gary to be in the whole lifting? I expected that pub to be full of people lifting a glass to Johnny. Yeah. You, you expect more than four people.
0: All of them enjoying some chili con carne without rice in Johnny's, Johnny's honour. Yeah, And that is, uh, again, still, I mean, it becomes a plot point in what we're about to talk about, but those moments where you had three different sets of characters in the mm-hmm. rovers at one time and the storyline would move from, from one, to, one the to the other and yeah. then back again and stuff. So you'd be, in one scene, you'd be nudging forward three different storylines and that doesn't seem to be happening still. Or at, at it's the least...
2: slowly getting back.
0: Yeah, it's slowly getting closer to it but it but seems to happen where, more in
2: Nina's roles than anywhere
0: yeah characters on the one table characters right. on the other table character right. comes in at the counter sort of thing
2: right it furthers one story and then it furthers mm. this story and then it furthers this story
0: because there is a feeling that there's all these characters that we never get to see or we right. get to see very very infrequently right oh well on that note let's move on to our last storyline Last Chance Buffoon on monday jenny and daisy are walking to work daisy talks about her plans with daniel but jenny has horrible problems of her own all of a sudden the rovers isn't bringing in enough money and she's worried for its future on johnny's birthday of all days as well right so jenny bumps into carl and maria and ropes them along to the pub later to raise a glass to johnny's memory carl will have a word with ryan and maria will speak to gary and an invisible cat as they all got on so well in prison (laughs) At the Rovers, Carla makes a toast to Johnny. There's no sign of Gary, but Ryan turns up. And after two seconds of Johnny chat, people turn their attention to Aidan. At the bar, Daisy confesses that she wasn't Johnny's biggest fan what with the armed robbery, the prison stretch, or the way that he made chilli con carne. And later, Jenny is morose about how much money the Rovers isn't making, especially on Johnny's birthday. Carla advises Jenny to sell up. Johnny wouldn't have thought twice about it, she says... Maybe it would help if the pub quiz from another storyline actually happened. Because this is happening on the same day as the pub quiz and you never see anything of the pub quiz.
2: Right. We have occasionally seen things from the pub quiz. Like a couple of weeks ago ago when when Stu went and was horrible and Kirk won. (laughs) Kirk and Tyrone were
0: through the looking glass. And
2: Michael. Did they? I I thought Roy won.
0: Yeah, Roy and Yasmin won.
2: Right, but they came in second.
0: There was only two teams as far as I could make out.
2: I think there were was three, wasn't there? No.
0: No, that definitely wasn't. On Wednesday, Jenny who doesn't work at the factory definitely doesn't work at the factory. Is at the factory speaking with Owen, who is suddenly a total arsehole now.
2: Yeah, yeah. This 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 sort of shit bothers me so much because You know they're just doing it so that they will break up. Like, all of a sudden, this character who seemed very nice and jokey and can see through Steven and is like the only person who can see through Steven is all of a sudden a dick. And it's like, Jenny would not have been in a relationship with this guy for, you know, about a month now. You know, this is is a completely different character than what he was introduced as a, what the hell man
0: a total dick and behaves like a little boy right an immature little boy
2: right again we get Elon Musk in the show for some reason
0: <laughs> she wants his ideas of increasing profits at the rovers he suggests selling up Jenny isn't interested in that so he tells her to either increase prices or then floats the selling up idea again Stephen wanders along and Jenny leaves all of which puts Owen in a bad mood and then the roles, Daisy and Daniel are flat hunting on the phone. She likes to look for a place that Daniel thinks is too last exit to Brooklyn,
2: <laughs> and she doesn't know what that means. No,
0: Ed comes in and overhears and tells them about the builder's yard flat that will be available soon if they're interested. Daniel is super excited about this, so Ed runs off to tidy up all these dirty magazines.
2: Right, and they also they also have well, it's not the builder's yard flat; it's those f- those.
0: No, it's the builder's yard flat.
2: I thought it was those houses it's that he... the flat he, that
0: Toy and Imran were in.
2: Oh, I thought it was the houses that he and Paul and... No. When are those ever going to get done?
0: <laughs> Who cares?
2: <laughs> why did I assume that that's what he was talking about? No, I don't he, know why. He said
0: builder's yard flat. Because that's his flat.
2: Right, I know. I forgot that it was empty. Yeah. That the, that the young crew has moved out.
0: Yeah, it's not the young crew flat anymore. No. At the plot. At the plat. At the pub, Jenny talks with Glenda in days about increasing profits. She talks about how much the place means to her, which bores the others. Stephen is suddenly standing at the bar from nowhere. And his <laughs> suggestion vampire. is to reduce portion sizes.
2: Right. Shrinkflation, he says. As if he knows what that means.
0: So Ed and Gary are in the rovers talking about Gary doing some work for Ed in the future when Glenda comes over with a pair of very stingy looking hot pots that she calls soups. Gary's doesn't have any meat. And Ed's is basically a carrot. They send them back, and Jenny offers full portions on the house, which doesn't help with this whole profit thing. No. And through the back later, Jenny and Glenda are lamenting the reduced portions plan when the power goes out. Thankfully, Gary's still in the barn, he's able to get the Lucky back on, but the oven, which blew everything in the first place, seems to be fucked. And the Rovers later, Daisy is surprised to hear that Daniel and Ed have already talked about deposits and moving in dates and Ed is calling them tenants already. Daisy is less than impressed by this, but he keeps her mouth shut. And later, Owen comes in thinking Jenny's changed the name of the pub to the Tumbleweed Tavern. What an arsehole! Such a dick! She isn't impressed and is already two grand down on the day now that the oven needs replacing. He's annoyed that she asked for his advice and then didn't take it.
2: It's, it's just advice. Yeah. You don't have to take advice.
0: Yeah, it's, not, it's not mandatory. It's not direction. No. It's advice. You're right. allowed to yeah. accept advice or reject advice. Right. That's why it's advice.
2: Right. And if she's already, you know, told you how much the place means to her and that she really doesn't want to sell, then maybe you help her think of something else.
0: This is this is the asshole behavior flavor that Stu was given us at the pub quiz, where he's a guy that goes along and says that he doesn't know anything, but isn't happy when no one listens to him. Right. Uh, anyway, he practically insists that she sells the place or puts the rent up for Glenda. And that d- just about does it for Jenny. And she tells Owen it's not working out. He thinks this is down to Stephen, who he says is a shark in the boardroom and a killer in the bedroom. Whatever how does do you, that mean?
2: And how, how would you know?
0: <laughs> Jenny is well shot of this man, who was perfectly pleasant a few weeks ago.
2: And even last week.
0: Stephen sees Jenny outside the Rovers later and she tells him about splitting up with Owen. She's worried that she doesn't have the steel for this fight for the Rovers and he tells her that she's the strongest and sassiest woman in the city. He leans in to whisper that she's got this in her ear and she seemed to be expecting a smooch. She doesn't get one though and he wanders off. On Friday, through the back, Jenny has her rollers in trying to do her sums through the back in the Rovers. It's not looking good. She tells Glenda that she's going to have to put up her rent by a tenner a week and Glenda is understanding and loves living at the Rovers, all of which is a relief to Jenny. She just hopes the punters accept the price rises too. Kirk and Gary, because it's got to be Gary again, hasn't it, are in the Rovers looking for some lunchtime sustenance. Gary still isn't impressed by yesterday's hotpot. Jenny tells him that he should be buckle up because the prices are about to get hiked too for the booze. Kirk points out that Gary's been putting his prices up as well, so they're all at it.
2: Right, yes. And yet Gary has insists upon being an asshole right. about this still. And this really bothered me how it's because it's not just Gary, it's the other businessmen on the street who are really put out and offended by this because it's Gary, it's Ed, and it's the Undertaker, George. George. You know, and it's like all of you understand that it's really difficult and that prices are rising. And yet you're not understanding when it's the woman owned business who has who is also having to raise their prices. There's some hypocriticism there that just hypocrisy. Yes, that too. That just really gets under my skin in this storyline. That's hypocriticism for you which we'll talk about in a
0: little bit. We will. Through the back, Jenny and Glenda are brainstorming ideas. A darts league seems to be the best they can come up with. When a furious Sean bursts in, outraged that everyone's shifts have been halved, Glenda, who was previously fine with a rent hike, has now blown her top about this too. Jenny says it's necessary to keep the Rovers afloat, but Sean makes a harumph noise and flimses off. Sean hands out flyers half-heartedly for the Rovers and Nina's rolls later because no one knows about the pub. There's a darts tournament tonight. Ed, Gary and George are semi-interested, but everything is so expensive in the pub now and Gary has an idea to fight back. Fight back. Later, Jenny is all dressed up.
2: Right, we, at, have, we have to fight back against this unfair woman.
0: And needs Glenda to change a barrel, but Glenda can't because she's off to look for a flat share or move into George's massive empty house. Right. <laughs> also, it seems that the darts competition hasn't brought in the punters that they were hoping for and the bar is dead. Glenda also mentions that the outdoor lights are malfunctioning. Jenny goes off to take care of the dodgy lights outside when she hears a commotion coming from Number Three's backyard. Kirk, Ed, Gary and George are having their own darts competition al fresco with some beers. Jenny goes round and reads them the Riot act hoping that they'll all be happy once the Rovers closes its doors for good and everyone feels a bit sheepish. But you know what? People are allowed to have beers in their yard.
2: It's... It's not that... It's not that. It's the fact that they're playing darts and drinking beers. That's the problem. You know, because let's... And because let's remember, when Sean was passing those things out, at first Ed was kind of interested. But then when they asked if there was going to be a prize and Sean said, yes, our undying love and affection, they're like, eh, that's not worth it. We're not going. Because how dare she... Have a competition and not have a prize when the competition is to get people. And, and they like accuse her of being sneaky by offering this competition to get people in the door and spend money. And it's like, you're businessmen. You understand that this is how this, this works.
0: Yeah, you've got to pass that tenor around.
2: What is wrong with you guys?
0: Upset, Jenny rushes back to tell Daisy, feeling so betrayed. She breaks the news to Daisy that the pub is only a few weeks away from going under, and this seems to surprise Daisy, who works there and is never busy. Daisy wanted told sooner, but says it's not Jenny's fault. Boozers are closing left and right. She thinks they need their thinking caps, but Jenny reckons they need a magician's hat or a wizard's sleeve. Back in Ed's yard, they chat about the run-in with Jenny. Gary, who is still sore about the hot pot, assures the lads that the Rovers will be fine and will still be trading along after they're all gone. And by the way, they're all shit at darts and they're looking for double one. Sean comes into the pub later and Daisy calls him a traitor and tells him how close the pub is to closing, which Glenda overhears. And Glenda resolves to do something about this because that's the type of person Glenda is. through the back again, Jenny's thought of all the ideas and tried them all. Daisy reminds her of the Newton and Ridley idea, sell the pub back to them, and they might keep her on as a landlady. Jenny refuses once again to go down that road, and she says that she'll be selling a pint the minute they take the Rovers away from her cold, dead hands or something. She storms out to the beer garden, and Daisy goes to speak to her. Once Jenny has calmed down, she agrees that there's nothing else for it. She's failed, and she's let Johnny down. Daisy says that's not it at all and Carla has sold up the factory so you right. know yeah. you've done fine here
2: yes exactly needs she, must
0: so she goes off to phone Newton and Ridley and after the phone call Jenny learns that Newton and Ridley are more interested in disposals now which means they're unlikely to be interested in buying Right. although they're coming round on Monday to check the place out so the rover's crew resolve to make Monday the busiest they can to blow Newton and Ridley away Glenda's going to put on a show <laughs>
2: And we Sean, like her shows and
0: Sean is going to get everyone from number 11 along which right. probably which is worth more they right?
2: will fill half the pub just on its own this
0: will surely save the pub it better says Jenny or we're all fucked and that is how we end this week's episodes
2: yeah it's kind of hilarious that that the show itself is is beginning this huge storyline about how difficult it is to be a small business in the UK You know, the same week as Cakegate, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because here's this very specific storyline about how difficult it is to keep the doors open for small businesses Mm -hmm. and how and how part of that difficulty is making tough decisions that should help. But they don't because people don't understand and they blame you and they accuse you of wanting to go on Caribbean cruises and stuff or being a cake lady craving attention and and it backfires and, and people are dicks.
1: Mm.
2: Um, I do think I do think that this is absolutely going to cross paths with the with the Harry Newton. Henry. Yeah. Henry yes, Henry Newton storyline. <laughs> Can you imagine soft play owning <laughs> owning pubs?
0: Make make a better hand of it.
2: <laughs> make them all soft play. Just take take the bedges away, and everybody can just lie on cosy cushions.
0: Well, the, the interesting thing is that Gemma has maybe some kind of in with Henry, right? And maybe she can influence him to to buy the rovers to, to change his dad's mind. Because I think it's her, I think it's Henry's dad that that Jenny phones, right? So maybe. Maybe he has some power to persuade one way or the other. But the mm-hmm. thing that was getting me was they lose power, uh-huh. and Gary fixes it. Yeah, something was wrong with the oven that it, right it blew it up, fried the electrics. Now we have a problem outside with uh, with the lights that right. Glenda was kicking the transistor or right. transponder or whatever it was, and it right. wasn't working. So we've got something dodgy with electrics that's happening outside
2: and inside.
0: Is it conceivable that the rovers goes up in flames and through no fault of Jenny. Right. But with her being in financial difficulties and looking to maybe sell it off and maybe that not working. Right. That this looks like it's an insurance job.
2: Right. And it not be.
0: And I'm wondering if that's maybe somewhere in our future.
2: Right. Yeah. And it's
0: just. Power doesn't go out for no reason.
2: Right. Well, it it the the sto- the oven blew it, and you yeah, know the,
0: the oven blowing the electrics out doesn't happen for no reason,
2: right? Yeah, yeah, and it's just it's kind of a sad storyline because because it is very true to life right now. I just I feel like Gary especially is such a dick about this, and is so disingenuous because he's like, oh, the Rovers has been around forever and it's always been, you know, clay claiming that they're going to close and go under skimming over the fact that the rivers has been owned by a lot of different people so mm. it has gone under multiple times and yep. then other people buy it and bring it back
0: some have sold it some have had it ripped away from them right it's been a poison chalice for a few it's been the making of some other people and it's right. it's been a great it's been a great place with Jenny at the helm Jenny's been a really good absolutely. landlady. absolutely and it would be it would be really sad to see her go.
2: Yeah.
0: In my heart, I I do think that there is disaster pending at the rovers right. because yeah. I mean it's been a month since we've had some sort of disaster, right? So we need yeah. to have what's August's disaster going to be? Maybe right. the rover's blows up.
2: Yeah. Ah, so exciting. Hasn't it blown up before?
0: There's been plenty of fires in it. Yeah. And then we had the acid attack in it not so long ago.
2: Right, that's true. Forgot all about the acid attack.
0: We've had armed robberies in it.
2: Right. Has anybody been murdered in there? I'm sure that
0: there must seems have seems like it
2: always happens at the bistro.
0: We got, uh... Robert got shot outside it.
2: Oh, that's true.
0: Fairly recently.
2: Yeah. And then he died. Yeah. But outside That was somehow so Aggie's it doesn't fault. Count. I can't
0: remember exactly how, but it was because she somehow doesn't Aggie's save fault. him. Yeah.
2: She still gets an award though, so it's fine.
0: She gets an award for not saving Robert, that's right.
2: For trying to save Robert
0: <laughs> Best try.
2: Where's Aggie? There's another character that we haven't seen in a long time. This is
0: what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. You
2: know? It's like we never see all of the Baileys in the same week. We see one or two but this not all. Michael and the wig? Yes. We see Didi. We see Dee Dee and Ed this week. We do not see Michael. We do not see Aggie. And it's weird that we don't see Michael because it's
0: since Didi arrived, we've kind of forgotten about the other Bailey's more or right. less, haven't we? And
2: where's Ronnie Ben? Because remember he used to be our favorite Bailey, and now it's Dee Dee. So now we've just forgotten that Ronnie exists. Pretty
0: much. You just remembered them right now, live on the podcast. <laughs> and then we've got Daisy and Daniel moving out. And Daniel seems to be making decisions for him and Daisy without consulting with her in the right. slightest. Because I don't think that she wants to move into the builder's yard flat. No. I'm getting that sense. Right. And m- maybe she should have her sights set somewhat higher. Right. Like his house.
2: Right. Kick those refugees to the curb. Right. It's fine. Go home now. (laughs) Um, Which, of course, I don't mean. But, um, yeah, because she's... When she brought this up initially, she's been insinuating wanting to move away from the street because... Because of Ryan. Right. Because of Ryan and because of the trauma that she's experienced there. You know, she wants to still be close enough for free babysitting but a little ways away and daniel seems to have forgotten all about that part.
0: Yeah. Round the these... corner doesn't really doesn't really cut no.
2: it. No. No. It was funny them looking at at places on the show's equivalent of Zillow though. The fact <laughs> yes. that the, the, the double denim apartment.
0: It was a denim sofa and denim curtains.
2: Right. Oh, and,
0: that's a swishy place, isn't and, it? And
2: then the walls I think were also blue or yes. something. That's one of my favourite things to do, is to go on Zillow and look at weird places. There's lots of them.
0: Oh, well, that's the week that was Coronation Street, then. Tell me, Helen, what was your moment of the week?
2: You know, there are a couple of options, uh, I think, this week. There were a number of really great scenes this week.
0: A number of really great scenes, and what I'm going to say was a bad week of Corey.
2: See, I really enjoyed this week more than I've enjoyed other ones. And I don't know if it was just, it was just enough that there were really good scenes. But I'm going to, you know, and initially I thought that my moment of the week was going to be the conversation between David and Sarah in the empty factory, you know, because it really got to me the whole, you know, this family will raise this child. You know, we, we have your back and we always will. Right. Even though we slag one another off all the time and started this conversation slagging one another off. But it's got to be Sarah and the technician's conversation. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That's what I would go with. I mean, for me, it was between that and Bernie and Paul. Right. But I I I think the Sarah and the technician thing was just so incredibly authentic.
2: Yes. And I really want to reward the show for getting something right that they have not gotten right or as right in the past that is our moment of, of the, the week
0: your week. a moment of the week,
2: week. Yasmin and Roy talking about Ajax
0: oh god which time? all
2: the time
0: the time on Wednesday or the time on Friday
2: <laughs> Roy just kind of very awkwardly holding the the, the pamphlet for the exhibition in Stu's direction <laughs> without actually handing <laughs> it to him They've gotten to levels of Ken and Daniel insufferable and that makes me sad.
0: That is our boring moment of the week. So what would you score this week out of 10?
2: Like an eight and a half. Really? Yeah.
0: As high as that? Yeah. Oh God, it was probably a four and a half for me. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was bored for long periods of it. And then there was just those really, really good moments that were very good. But overall I just i found it a bit of a, a bit of a chore this week.
2: There was not a single scene except for briefly with the Eliza storyline that I felt uncomfortable and triggered. So I consider that a good week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough.
2: It's a good week when nobody gets assaulted.
0: <laughs> so what's that? Eight and a half and four and a half is thirteen out of twenty. That's there probably you go. not bad this episode was brought to you with thanks to our friends of the podcast daisy french helen and pickles
2: merci to daisy and helen and pickles (laughs) if you've ever if you've ever had a disastrous gender reveal party
0: or if you've had a really really bad hot pot write in to tell us about it we're the talk of the street at gmail.com and we're at Corey podcast on twitter facebook and instagram and threads you can shout me and Helen a coffee or become a friend of the podcast by heading to kofi.com, that's ko fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky-clicky section of uk for links to merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. And be sure to check out our pop culture sister podcast, the list of lists. Yes. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. And we will be back next week with more I'll Talk of the Street. The talk of the Street. Bye.